And welcome back to Mama Moon's Journey. If you are listening to this, you have reached episode five and are officially in it for the long haul, or at least I hope. In today's episode, we will be talking about compromise and how it affects your career, social life, and personal relationships. So grab some coffee or whatever your preferred drink is, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Stop compromising. Stop compromising when you really want to say no. Stop compromising by saying you might or will do something when you know that you won't. This is a common mistake that women mostly suffer from, and I say this because most women, including myself, are quote-unquote people-pleasers. Now, before we get into this, I just want to start off by saying that I've been in a little bit of a funk, and honestly just haven't had the energy emotionally or physically to really Um, dive into this podcast or to do any of my blogging, um, which makes me sad. But I also think that it's totally okay to take a break and to give yourself as much time as you need in order to put 110% into something versus, you know, kind of half-assing it. Excuse my language. Um, But I really just want to be open with you guys. It has been a rough couple of weeks, but I am back at least for this episode to kind of go over something that has been contributing to my little funk. And again, that is compromising. Growing up, I was preconditioned to be a compromiser. And I say that because I wanted to do whatever it took to make my mom and grandparents proud. Of course, it doesn't always seem like wanting to make your parents proud is a compromise. But sometimes the foundation of your upbringing can determine whether you feel um, easier on compromising down the road or not. For example, when I was younger, I always wanted to make my mom and grandparents happy. And to do that, I got good grades because that was important. I cleaned my room because that was important. And I did my best to do what they said because listening was important too. I wasn't compromising at that point, but was being molded into a decent human being under the Armstrong family, even though I was usually in literally the black sheep. And for some of you guys that are joining this and don't really know a lot about my background, I was raised by a completely Caucasian family. And I say that with so much love, but um, I am mixed. I'm black and white. And I was raised um, primarily by the white side of my family. And so I just always felt like the, you know, the black sheep in the literal sense and also in the metaphorical sense that I just didn't really fit in. Everyone else was doing something different, um, not to mention that my sister is a complete tomboy. Um, so we just were polar opposites. So that's all besides the point, but I just want to point that out. That way you guys don't think I'm trying to pull some type of race card. It's just you know, that's how my life was. So um, you might even hear me make references to being raised um, as a Caucasian. And it's just all in good fun. So if you're sensitive to that, please stop listening to this podcast. So back into compromising and being preconditioned. um, When I was younger, my mom was suffering, and she still suffers from her own mental disorder. My whole childhood, which wasn't easy, and it created an unstable childhood for me and my sister. And 
now that I'm older, I understand it. But at the time, it was really hard for me to grasp. And it was definitely an emotional ride, I think, for me and my sister, but also for like, you know, family and friends that knew us, you know, they got to see the behind the scenes that we were dealing with. So anyways, um, my grandparents stepped in and were the voices of reason and constant stability that we needed. And so that's how it went. My mom tried her best, but my grandparents worked the hardest to raise me, my sister, occasionally my cousin and their own two kids who still lived at home, um, which would be my mom and my uncle. I love them dearly. And as much as it might sound like a small and useless detour for a backstory, this was the catalyst for my learned position of being a person who compromises. When I wanted something, I would compromise because we couldn't always afford it. And if we could, it would be something that had to be shared equally or, you know, distributed, which is not a bad thing. And I know a lot of people can probably relate because, you know, I didn't come off from this well-off you know, family. It wasn't always easy. We didn't have a ton of money. We had the things we needed and that was good. And I'm very grateful because of course people have less. Um, but yeah, I think that was definitely the contribution to me realizing that I can't always have things my way, which is a good thing to know. Um, but that also, made me compromise later down the road. I didn't really know the difference between, you know, you compromise because you need to and it's a healthy way to do that versus you just compromise because that's what you're told to do. So um, that is an example of a healthy compromise. And there were many times that I would have a dream or aspiration like wanting to learn piano and be the next Alicia Keys. And don't judge, but I was literally ready to throw down on American Idol to show Simon I was the next big thing. But that dream seemed to be followed when my mom let me take piano lessons and when I started writing my own music. And that was great. I really dove into the creative part of myself and tried to do something meaningful. And at a young age, that meant showing my parents who I tried to make happy that I was going to make it. Now, the unhealthy compromise, as you might see it coming, was when I stopped pursuing those dreams because I was told by my parents, mom and grandparents, that I wouldn't make it or that I was only showing off when I wanted to show them what I learned or wanted to sing for them. So everyone knows when kids, you know, they're like, hey, look at me or, oh, can I show you this or, oh, let me show you how I can dribble a ball. Yeah, as much as you might think it's silly and you might dismiss them. Those are kind of developmental moments for them on how you react or how you deal with certain scenarios on, you know, how they're going to feel about themselves later on. So let's just put it this way. For some people, it might sound like a normal thing and you might not see why it's such a big deal. But think about it this way. If your child woke up one day and told you they wanted to be, you know, one of their favorite artists or one of their role models and wanted to learn to do what they do and took it seriously, would you put them down when they were practicing? Let that sink in. So let's say your son or daughter or niece or nephew or just a little kid that might be looking up to you that's in your life says, hey, you know, I really want to be the next, you know, I don't know who's someone inspiring <laughs> that I, I can make a good example from because I don't want to use someone terrible. Um, okay, 
let's say you have a son and he says, you know what? I really, really admire John Legend. I think he's amazing. He's got a great voice and he plays piano. And, you know, aside from that, he's got Chrissy Teigen for a wife and I want that life. So would you put them down? Would you tell them that they're crazy and that their ideas or aspirations are unachievable? I know I wouldn't. That's when I started compromising and it was an internal compromise for me to stop following my passion or sticking with what I wanted to do because I didn't think it was worth my time or that I could actually do something with it. So instead of being Alicia Keys, I decided to just focus on other things. Now I'm not going to shy away from the fact that I still had those aspirations, but instead of like pursuing it seriously, I just like to do it in my spare time. So I like to sing or I would write music or try to write music. And then I just finally gave up because I was like, yeah, they're right. I'm never going to be able to do it. And that was that. And I love my parents, but that was just how it was at the time. My grandparents were working too hard to provide for our family that they didn't have time to care as much for those frivolous things. So my mom was too sick to care about us at all. And I get that now. And I mean, nothing bad, you know, in regards to that, but she was dealing with her own demons. So she didn't really even have time to look our way, which is sad, but that it's just the honest truth. I don't resent them for it for one minute, but I do know that I won't make the same mistake with Layla. So after multiple instances like that throughout my childhood, I learned to filter what might be meaningful to my parents into daily conversations and learned to filter out the things that they didn't really care about. Now, that might not sound as important to most as it does to me, But I compromised my own desires and aspirations to do what made them happy. So instead of telling them like, hey, I really want to pursue dance, I knew that they weren't going to go for that. So it was like, hey, well, I joined the basketball team, which I enjoyed still, but it wasn't everything that I wanted to do. Like, I didn't feel like I could openly tell them, you know, hey, I I really like to try ballet. And, you know, they would accept that and work hard to, you know, help open up that opportunity or at least show me um, how I could make that opportunity open up for myself, um, they would just dismiss it. So I just continued to do what made them happy and talk about what made them happy. Not all the time because I was still a child, but as you can imagine, that began to translate at school, later into my work and now, and then into friendships and relationships. My biggest reality with compromising right now is in my career, and that is part of why I'm in a funk, and I'm not going to go into that too much because we will be here forever. But with the knowledge and experience I have, along with my awareness of what compromising means to me and for me, I have stopped compromising on the things that matter to me most in the workplace. The number one topic is my leadership style. I've been told multiple times by multiple bosses on a store and corporate level that I wouldn't be able to produce to my highest ability or that my career wouldn't be able to develop if I didn't change my leadership style. And that style being a leader who takes care of her employees and what's going on in their lives to ensure work-life balance is included because that's important to me. You know, I'm not going to sit here and point fingers and tell people to do this and do that and produce and be number one 
and not give them the things that they need. I'm not going to forget that they have lives outside of work, forget that they're people um, and, and just tell them to work, work, work. That's not going to produce consistent performance. So that's, that's just my take on it. So I've been told that moving up is all about producing numbers and running the business. And in short, that means not meeting everyone's needs or making a valiant effort to do so. And I call total BS because I've seen for myself how work-life balance impacts a business. Um, I've worked for a company where work-life balance was a core value um, for the company to its employees. And that was the best job that I've ever had. Um, I definitely regret that I, I let the opportunity go and I'm hoping I'll get the opportunity again to work for that company because money isn't everything, you know, of course it's nice to have a good cushion. It's nice to feel comfortable, but at the end of the day, if you are just working and that's all you're doing, you're not living, you, you have to start weighing your options out. It's just, it is what it is. So when your people are happy and you start working for them and to make sure they feel secure in their positions, that's when you've hit the jackpot. So whether you are a leader or whether you are an employee and you're following someone's orders or um, expectations, you need to decide if you feel secure in your position and if you're happy working there. Of course, everyone's like, oh, well, you're not always going to get to do what you want. No, you can And it's unfortunate that the social expectation is that, oh, well, you'll just work. And if you don't like it, oh, well, like, no, everyone deserves to be happy. You can find something that makes you happy. You just have to find it and work hard for it and make sure that you continue to let that be the reminder. So that's when people start coming to work with a purpose. They come to work pushing themselves to be better and to get better because they want to be there. They respect you because you are a humanized version of what they normally know as a monotone and robotic person. So because I've seen the change and have felt the change myself when work-life balance is present and when the leader of the group actually cares for the people, I refuse, and I'm, I'm saying this in all caps, I'm not going to scream in your ear, but I refuse to compromise and change my style. People may say I'll never be as successful as I could be and that I need to take the emotion out of my career and leadership roles all day long. But that doesn't mean that they are right and that doesn't mean that I will. Compromise in your social life might simply look like trying to keep up with the ever-growing social media platforms or just trying to keep up with people that maybe you're starting to grow out of or, you know, maybe you guys are just going down different paths. So I found myself compromising on how I spent my downtime because of social media and also just, you know, social expectations. So don't get me wrong. I still enjoy using social media, but I don't feel the need to be as frequent as I was a year ago. When I gave birth to Layla, I didn't have the energy or time to really keep up with social media posts from my friends or to respond to different comments and so on. I went days and weeks without liking things or commenting as I would, and I started to feel bad. Um, Crazy as it sounds, I felt bad because I didn't want my friends who I follow on social media to think that I didn't care. I wanted them to know I would like that they got a promotion or like their selfie that they posted or, you know, 
their shared posts that I saw them and I thought they were uh, relevant or whatever it was. I just felt bad. And it wasn't until one day I expressed this feeling to my husband, who I should mention could care less about keeping up with social media. And I totally admire him for that. Um, but I told him, I was like, I feel bad that people might think I don't care because I haven't been actively liking their posts. But he pointed out that it was okay for me to take breaks from social media and that my real friends and family don't need a like from me or a comment to know that I care, which I don't know if I'm the only one that feels this way. But when I've gone days without being on social media, I feel like I'm catching up and I'm scrolling and scrolling and I'm liking and I might not even really be reviewing the content. But because I'm friends with this person or they're my family member. I feel like I have to like it so they know like, hey, I saw that cute picture of your kid and I love it. Or, oh, I saw that gorgeous selfie keep slaying. Like, I don't know. I just felt like that's how I had to do it. And, you know, I realized I don't. (laughs) That type of compromise always leads to relationship compromises because the ones that are affected or could be affected are family and friends. So there might be times where your friends, family members, or partner wants to do something that, frankly, you don't want to do. In these cases, you are either a serial compromiser or you're an excuse maker. And let me elaborate. A serial compromiser is someone who you might also know as the yes man. It's the person who, even though they don't want to do something or don't agree with something, they will go along with it because it makes you happy or it prevents friction. Now, the excuse maker is a self-explanatory term, and both of these terms I've made up, so please don't go looking it up. And if you do, maybe there's another definition. Um, But the excuse maker is someone, to put it bluntly, the person that always has a reason that they can't make it or can't do something because they don't want to say no directly. They don't want to make anyone feel bad, but they won't push themselves to do whatever it is that they aren't truly interested in, which is a step better than a serial compromiser in a way, because at least they're like, I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to do that. Now, this is not to be mistaken for the person that really is busy or has a valid reason that they can't commit to whatever it is or whoever it is. But if you're listening to this and you know which one of the three you are, I used to be the serial compromiser. And then I slowly transitioned into the excuse maker. And now I'm just the let me just be honest and tell you I don't have the time person. I try to make time and sometimes I can do it, you know, for the people that matter most. But other times I just I can't forget it. I'm too busy. Work, being a mom and living a whole hour's commute away from any form of city life is hard. I stopped compromising what I didn't like to do when I realized I was only wasting my time doing things that didn't mean anything to me or really weren't my style. It really changed right after I graduated high school. For example, when I was out of high school, raves were getting more popular. They'd been popular before, um, but it was just more common for a lot of people I knew or my friends to start going. So I think it's awesome, but for them and not for me, it wasn't the music I was into. I didn't have time because I was working full-time, being a student full-time, and I was just more focused on other things that I couldn't be up at 3 a.m. dancing my little booty off. Um, But trust me, I think it's great, and I wish I would have had that luxury, but at that time, I just didn't have the energy to keep up with it. 
I was in focus mode with work full-time and college full-time and not to mention trying to be a wife. Everyone's different and that's okay, but I started to decline offers to go and inevitably people realized I wouldn't go altogether. So the invitation stopped and I was officially a serial compromiser no more. I was still an excuse maker though. I wasn't an excuse maker all the time, but when I had time and an invitation was extended, I would blame it on, you know, having to be at a family dinner or something. And if anyone listening was affected by my bad habits, I'm sorry. Um, Just trying to be honest, though, I stopped being the excuse maker not too long ago because I started to see when other people would do it. And I knew what tactics and excuses I used so I could see through the excuses from others and didn't like that they could just say no. And so I decided I was going to do that. That was my aha moment. I told myself, okay. You need to say no or you need to be real when it comes to that. And now here we are. I no longer compromise and I don't make excuses. And that's honestly one of the most refreshing things that you could do, especially if you're someone that is really just trying to find the balance still in life and you don't want to feel overwhelmed with, you know, different aspects of your social life, your personal relationships, work. So you have to learn like, how to find the balance in those things. And that's one way to do it. It's okay to say no, you don't have to do something you don't want to. But it's also okay to try new things and to step out of the comfort zone. You just have to pick what that's worth doing for and who that's worth doing for. Let's just say, you know, you don't like to go out much because you're you're working a lot or maybe you're not working a lot and you're just a homebody. Um, My husband is definitely or was definitely someone who would prefer to stay home over going out. But I finally got him out of his shell. And now like we can go out every once in a while and not feel bad about it because we still need to experience things as a couple. Um, We sometimes just need time to focus on ourselves. So if he wants to be outside um, for half the day working on his car, that's totally fine because that's the equivalent of maybe for me going and getting my nails done, something like that. So everyone's moments and comfort zones or, you know, doing something that you want to do, but maybe you don't feel is socially acceptable. It is totally okay for you to do what is good for you and what's going to make you happy. And you just have to, you know, stop caring what other people think. So what I guess this whole episode is about is just staying true to yourself emotionally, physically, and mentally. Don't let people pressure you. Don't let social expectations pressure you. And don't let your own oppositions impede your growth. Embrace who you are and what you feel. And just be honest with yourself and others. If people don't understand you, then find different people to surround yourself with. If your career or bosses won't allow you to be yourself, Work towards a new path or be your own boss and start new. There's some foreshadowing here, so stay tuned (laughs) Um, in my own personal journey at least. But focus your time and energy on the people that matter most to you and make time for them. I saw a friend share something the other day, and I'm putting that inspiration here for you guys. Someday you will die and no one knows when that will be. But when it happens, your boss or company you work for will have your replacement ready to go. Your debt collectors will repo whatever you had 
and your friends and family will be the ones who miss that precious time with you. So stop making excuses and live each moment you have with purpose and a full heart. And as always, you beautiful people, stay true to yourselves.